All right, let's get it. Welcome back to The Word with G here on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. Greg Larnard here. You there. Thanks for having so much for hanging with me here on a Tuesday. We're going to head to the phone lines now and bring in our only guest of the afternoon. And joining us now via Pro Football Focus, the man who spends a lot of time focusing on the kids in college and football. He is the Pro Football Focus Senior College Analyst, a good friend of mine, and well, friend of the old program, and now friend of the new, the new program, Mr. Anthony Tresh. What's up, Ant? Hey, man. How you doing? Doing pretty well. Good. I'm glad to have you. I'm glad that you've followed me from Louisiana, and now we're traveling up uh, north to Chattanooga, man. It's great to, great to have you on the new show. No doubt about that. All right, man, let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, let, let's let's backtrack a little bit in terms of college football, and let's talk a little bit about the Senior Bowl. And obviously that's the most prolific college football showcase that you can get invited to. Now, when you evaluated the Senior Bowl, you watched the Senior Bowl, you talked to people, you, you paid attention to what was going on. Give me some guys in your estimation that elevated their draft stock or really stood out in terms of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, you know, there's definitely a lot of guys. We really like to isolate those one-on-ones in practice. And we get, you know, we're good partners there with Jim, Maggie, and the Senior Bowl folks. We get the, the video, and we actually grade the one-on-ones in practice. So that's a lot of the, the data we like to look at in throughout the pre-draft process. And, you know, one guy that really stood out was Kadarius Tony. And, you know, the, the biggest thing on him was, you know, obviously he was just an absolute, he's, he's filthy after the catch. One of the filthiest guys I've ever seen. It just kind of has to do with his route running ability. And he definitely flashed it at Florida, um, but we wanted to see that, you know, down in Mobile. We wanted to see it down in the one-on-ones, and he absolutely roasted every single guy he went up against. So that was kind of a good promising thing, reassuring thing to see. I think at this point he's, a, you know, kind of a surefire top 20 pick. Um, you know, I'm really going to be interested to see kind of where he lands, and I think part of the, the quarterback for sure, you know, Washington there at 19, Chicago 20, and India 21 kind of dictate, you know, if he falls in that area. Um, another one that comes to mind is Demetrius Felton, the running back from UCLA. I mean, he looked like a boss route runner himself, too, you know, going up in the one-on-ones. Quinn Minor, too, um, from Wisconsin Whitewater. I mean, he was an absolute monster. He mm-hmm. he went up against some of the monsters like Levi and Muzuriki, Patrick Jones. And he, he held his own against those guys. Um, so, I mean, those are the biggest ones that really come to mind. You know, Mac Jones, I thought, you know, everything that I've heard down there from a lot of the coaches, you know, that was very positive. Matt Rule was really hyping him up. So, he still remains, I think, you know, I think Trey Lance is the biggest wild card, but as far as, you know, where he's going to land, I think Mac Jones, you know, I've seen, you know, I'm talking to some people, he could be as high, you know, in the top 10, but he could also be at the end of the first round, if not, not maybe even in the first round. Um, so, you know, th- those are kind of my big takeaways from the Senior Bowl week. Interesting. And we'll talk a little bit more about Mac Jones and some of these other quarterbacks that'll potentially uh, be looking to get drafted high in this year's draft in just a little bit. But before we move away from the Senior Bowl, talk to me a little bit about maybe some players that didn't perform as well or you know maybe didn't improve their draft stock or kind of fell a little bit with their performance based on how they did during the Senior Bowl week. Yeah, you know, I actually mentioned Levi Muzuriki and um, Patrick Jones there. I think those are a couple of guys that didn't really help themselves a little bit too much. Um, they kind of fell off there, too. And Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle from Alabama, um, he did win the Outland Trophy, but we didn't really think he should have won the Outland Trophy. We thought he performed fairly well in 2020, but he wasn't quite that top-tier performer that a lot of people thought he was. And, you know, when he only won, I think it was roughly around 50% of his one-on-one down mobile, that really didn't help his case any. 
Um, and with this tackle class that there is this year, and it's a really strong tackle class, I think he kind of really hurt himself and he's going to see him slide down the board a bit. Now talk to me again, uh, Anthony Tresh, our guest of Pro Football Focus, talking college football. If you'd like to jump in and ask any questions or join the conversation, hit us up, 423-648-1051. Again, 423-648-1051 is the number to ring. And um, in terms of quarterbacks, you mentioned and you talked a little bit about Mac Jones. Talk to me about some of the other quarterbacks that were there at the Senior Bowl that you, you got an opportunity to watch and to evaluate and to see and how you think they fared. Yeah, you know, Jamie Newman, he was one that we were excited to see, you know, entering the 2020 season. Um, he ended up opting out because he was transferred from Wake Forest to Georgia. We thought he would fare better in that pro-style offense with Todd Monken than he did at Wake Forest with an RPO, up-tempo-based offense that really leaned on his legs when they really shouldn't have. Um, you know, and he was kind of rusty at the start. Then he started to show some signs that as the week progressed, it really didn't go, you know, all that well for him. Um, so we kind of had higher hopes, but we still think he is kind of a big, he could be one of the biggest value picks in the NFL draft just because there's so much unknown with him. And he's going to be probably at this point, I would say, late third round conversation um, just because he really didn't help himself. It's not day three conversation too, um, early day three, that is. So I think he could has a potential to be one of the value picks, even though the week didn't probably go as you know many had hoped it was going for him. Um, you know, Kellen Mond is an interesting one, too. He performed well there. Um, so, I, you know, those were kind of the big ones. But Mac Jones was obviously, even though he did not play in the game, you know, in practice, he was definitely the, the, the best performer easily. I mean, you saw the accuracy, you know, kind of really shine there. Um, so that those were the big quarterback takeaways on there. You spoke about Kellen Mond, and he's somebody who's interesting to me. Do you think he profiles as more of like a standard quarterback, or do you think he – because I know he's very athletic and can run and, and do these a lot of these different things. Do you think he profiles – more as a prototypical quarterback going into the NFL? And, and if somebody's looking to draft him, do they have eyes for him as a quarterback and a developmental quarterback? Or do they maybe have some eyes for him like a, you know, a, a Taysom Hill type? Yeah, you know, he's definitely kind of going to be one of those interesting developmental guys. Um, I mean, that he was that was his greatest strength at Texas A&M was his ability to throw outside of the pocket. And that's really where he made, you know, that was his bread and butter. It was his outside the pocket passing. He made a lot of throws. A lot of guys couldn't. The only problem was when he was inside the pocket, he was very inconsistent. And so, you know, he, he is an interesting, you know, kind of developmental guy. Um, I, I think I would be more confident investing in a guy like Jamie Newman over Kellen Mond. Um, but, I mean, if you could get him in the day three conversation, again, it's the most important position on the field. He has shown some traits in there. So he is worth, you know, kind of investing in, but he doesn't make those, you know, special type of throws from inside the pocket on a consistent basis that you really get you excited about. Anthony Tresh, again, our guest, Pro Football Focus, talking college football here with you on The Word with G on ESPN 105.1. Stick with the quarterbacks, because I'm, I'm very interested, because it seemed like, okay, Trevor Lawrence, number one guy, it seems like Urban Meyer is going to take him first overall, and and even over his, you know, with the, the former uh, Buckeye and, and Justin Fields, but it seems like Justin Fields continues to kind of slip down mock draft boards that I've looked at. And another quarterback from BYU, Zach Wilson, with all his swagger and his bravado and, and his, his, his really good play out there for BYU, continues to kind of creep up boards. Where do you kind of view both of these guys and which one do you think goes first and is in your guys' analysis from pro, pro Football Focus is the better quarterback prospect? Yeah, I think he's definitely Zach Wilson. That is, I think he's comfortably in that quarterback two, you know, slot. Which you know, before the season, kind of seemed like with 
you know, impossible. If anything, you thought maybe Justin Fields, if he had an extraordinary year, he could get up to that number one overall pick. But, you know, Trevor Lawrence has locked that down. Um, but we think Zach Wilson's definitely claimed that number two spot, rightfully so. And I think the biggest thing with Justin Fields, I, I don't necessarily agree that, you know, there, there's been some places, some outlets I've seen him go as fall, you know, barring as far as, you know, 15th overall. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't think he's escaping fourth. And I really don't think he's going to escape three because I think the Miami Dolphins are going to have a lot of suitors, you know, calling up. And I think, you know, you could see possibly the Atlanta Falcons do a Mitchell Trubisky scenario where they're trading up just one spot to make sure no one leapfrogs them. Or you have the Carolina Panthers there, Denver Broncos, even the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, the quarterback demand is going to be it is very hot and heavy. So, you know, I, I don't think he's going to fall that far. But I do think, you know, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, then Justin Fields. I think that's the way it should be. You know, kind of the the processing speed from Justin Fields is the biggest concern, and the blitz recognition too. I mean, that really showed up against Northwestern Indiana. You know, we saw the coverage rotations, what he, what Brett Venables did to him back not this past year, but the year before in that CFP semifinal game. So I do think there is just a little bit. You know, I, there's going to be even though Justin Fields was at Ohio State, Zach Wilson was at BYU. I think Justin Fields might have a little bit more of a steeper learning curve, but I still think he is that franchise guy. And if, even if I'm the Miami Dolphins. I would take Justin Fields and probably trade away to Atlanta Viola just because if we're comparing these two guys as their prospects, saying they're in the same class, we would still have Justin Fields above Tua. And given what we know about Tua, we'd be even more comfortable taking Justin Fields over that. But that's not going to happen. Um, but I, I, I highly doubt he slips out of the top five. And with Zach Wilson, I mean, he recorded an elite passing grade above 90.0 in over half of his games played this year is really, it, it, for a normal college quarterback, if you get one of those a year, that's pretty good. And he said that in over half of his games played. I mean, he made NFL-level throws routinely. I mean, some of the off-platform off stuff, you know, the arm talent is just remarkable. So, you know, I, I think right now he's definitely Zach Wilson in the number two spot. I, I would be very shocked if he doesn't go second overall, whether it's the New York Jets or for some reason, you know, Deshaun Watson's blockbuster trade happens, and that's the Houston, Texas pick. I think it's going to be Zach Wilson second overall. And again, I don't think Justin Fields getting as far as the fourth overall pick. Hanging with Anthony Tresh talking college football, man. How the mighty have fallen when it comes to Tua Tungavailoa because, you know, everybody was talking about tanking, tanking for Tua, tanking for Tua over the last couple of years. And now we get to him and, and he actually goes to Miami. And now they're talking about trading him and, and they didn't really like what they saw. And maybe he's not that great of a prospect that we that we had all thought coming out of college when he kind of burst into the scene in that national championship game against Georgia. Uh, just just kind of how the money have fallen there. And interesting that they could, you're saying, potentially basically do what the Cardinals did last two, well, two years ago, taking Kyler Murray when they just drafted Jerry Rosen or Josh Rosen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to do that at all. I, I mean, I would personally, if I were in the shoes, I would possibly look into doing that. And it's not because, you know, I, I don't have any faith into it. I still think he's going to be, a, a, I think he has a chance to be a franchise quarterback, but my confidence level is just a little bit lower than what it was before, again, what we saw from this past year. I mean, it definitely wasn't a season like Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert on some of the other rookies in the 2020 class. So I, I still think, too, it's going to be the guy down there. I think they have a good chance of probably, you know, re-signing Ryan Fitzpatrick to come back into the year, mentor him, and step in if needed. Um, but I, I still think, you know, Tua has the traits to be a franchise guy. 
Um, but I, I would think I would just have more confidence in Justin Fields becoming that over Tua. Um, but again, I, I don't have any, you know, significant, you know, with Josh Rosen, it was pretty easy to look at him and say, you know, yeah. there, there is a really reasonable case that this guy's not an NFL franchise quarterback with Tua. You can still kind of see it. So I, you know, I still have my hope and my optimism with him, but I, I think I'd be more comfortable with Justin Fields over to Tagovailoa. Now let's, because uh, I'm scrolling through a mock draft here, and I, I see Jamar Chase's name pop up, and I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts. And now it probably won't affect a guy like Jamar Chase because he's so darn talented, the Bolitnikov winner, of course, uh, from two years ago with LSU. But uh, how have you seen some guys who maybe opted out and didn't play last year who are gearing up to go into the draft? How do you do you think that's affected a, a lot of these guys' stock, or for the most part? Their stock was sort of solidified, and and they're good in terms of draft boards and things like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are you know kind of different, and then I think you know Jamar Chase is a, kind of an interesting one because there is a real chance that you know Devonta Smith is the first wide receiver off the board, and you know I I, I would consider myself the biggest Devonta Smith fan on planet Earth. I remember you know back in the early days when it was Jerry Judy, him, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle. I always thought Devonta Smith would be the best of the bunch. But if we put Jamar Chase in that conversation, I mean, you have to take Jamar Chase over DeMonta Smith, but that's not so much of a sure thing anymore. I mean, I think they're both really good prospects, but when you look at, you know, the physicality Jamar Chase has, you know, he really is a complete package, both physically and, you know, what he has, you know, has shown on the field, you know, DeMonta Smith, the size is a concern, but I think, you know, he has the chance to be kind of that rare type of guy. We've never really seen a guy with his, you know, his body type and his kind of his speed, even though I don't think the speed is that big of a concern as it should be, you know, kind of translate and have success at the NFL level. Um, but I think he is going to be that type of rare guy. I think Jamar Chase is just going to be in that, you know, he's in the, going to be in that rare form, you know, that generational type of prospect. I, I would consider him, you know, the best we've ever seen at PFF College era. I think, you know, some of the other guys might say differently, you know, I got Mike Renner. But I think he is kind of in that Amari Cooper realm, maybe that Julio Jones realm mm-hmm. of wide receiver prospects. Um, so that's why we'd probably lean Jamar Chase over Demonte Smith and Jalen Waddle. And there's even a debate to be had there about Jalen Waddle versus Demonte Smith. I think I would side with Demonte Smith, but like I said, mentioned Mike uh, just a few minutes ago. I think him and our guy Austin Gale, other draft guys, they would probably have Jalen Waddle. So I think at that point you're kind of splitting hairs, but I think Jamar Chase is comfortably that number one wide receiver. Interesting. Yeah, again, Anthony Tresh hanging with us here on The Word with Gianni ESPN 105.1 The Zone. Let me ask you about uh, a couple of the teams that are near and dear to the hearts of uh, the fans around this area. It's a little different than, uh, obviously, Saints fans where we were, uh, were talking last. But let's start with the Tennessee Titans and uh, talk to me a little bit about what they need in your estimation. What's the biggest need? I see they're drafting at 22, obviously, in round one. Uh, when you look at their team, what what's the biggest need? And, and Is there any players that kind of stand out that might be advantageous for them to really take a hard look at? Yeah, you know, they're kind of in an interesting boat just because, you know, they don't really have a lot of cap space, you know, in free agency. I think they're covering, flirting with just kind of positive territory, maybe about $3 million over the cap. But then they're also losing guys like Corey Davis and Johnny Smith. And, you know, you have A.J. Brown there, but you still need to add a receiving weapon. And, you know, you also look, you're missing out on Desmond King. You also have Jadavion Clowney there. I think I would, you know, probably say that Jadavion Clowney is the one that's going to get re-signed under that bunch for kind of a similar deal what we saw this past year. Um, so I think that's going to kind of dictate what they do in the NFL draft. And if they uh, don't go the Jadavion Clowney route in free agency, I think Aziz Ogulari from Georgia is an interesting one. I mean, this past season, he had a big breakout year. 
um, raised his pass rushing grade from 71.4 up to 91.7. That's an interesting one to keep an eye on. I mean, you have, I, I think it would be worth their while, you know, kind of pursuing another wide receiver in there um, to pair with uh, A.J. Brown, whether that's, you know, maybe Kadarius Tony slips to that spot um, or someone else, whether it's Rondell Moore or Rashad Bateman. I think there's some interesting guys there. And, you know, I wouldn't shy away from cornerback either. I think, you know, it just kind of kind of depends what they kind of go down that what you know what rabbit hole they pick with the limited cap space they have and what they do with the NFL draft. I think those are kind of the three positions that I would keep an eye on in the coming months. All right, and people also care about the Falcons around these parts because Georgia is so close to us and Atlanta's only a couple of hours away. What would you say the Falcons' probably biggest need in is right now, and, and maybe some guys that they could look to fill those holes. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely secondary, but even then, I, you know, where they are in the NFL draft, you know, I think the best case scenario for them this offseason is, you know, with everything we've seen so far, it does not look like this is going to happen, but I think it would be, you know, good for them if they went ahead and move on from Matt Ryan, even though he has that. I mean, it's just really a headache of a contract to deal with. I think some team would be willing to deal with that and give up, you know, premium draft capital because the quarterback market is in such demand right now. We're seeing you know, some of the talks that are centered around Carson Wentz talking about first-round picks. I and mean, we're talking about a guy that led the league in turnover-worthy plays this past season, and he didn't play a good chunk of the year. And he's trying; he's, he might fetch some first-round picks there. And so I think you could get good draft capital for Matt Ryan. And I think either a team, like I said, that should be in the Justin Fields market and a team that could possibly move up from four to three, kind of like what we saw with the Bears do with Trubisky a few years ago, even though you know this is a, a much better situation to be trading up for a quarterback than you know, Trubisky, Justin Fields there, um, you know, when you're looking at free agency, they're also in that kind of that really rough territory because they're going to be about 30 million over the cap and they really need to attack secondary there. Um, you know, I think bringing back Darquez Denard and maybe pursuing a, a very cheap, you know, option at corner like Gary on Conley, you know, very good man corner. I think that's going to, that would be their best case scenario. And I know they need some edge rushers in there. They need some pass rushers, but, yes. you know, I think prioritizing secondary with what, you know, capital they have, in Justin Fields and hopefully you know you know Arthur Blank said that he would be shocked if Matt Ryan wasn't on the roster roster uh, week one of 2021 I still think it would probably be of their best interest to go ahead and part ways otherwise they're going to be flirting with that quarterback purgatory especially if they don't go quarterback with the fourth overall pick Anthony Tresh again hanging with us here on the word with G my last one for you and I, I, I see something here on your Twitter account and love following you love all the content that you and uh, pro football focus put out and you've got some guys the, the top 10 wide receivers returning to college football as well as the top 10 quarterbacks returning to college football. Let's start with the wide receivers and uh, give me why Chris Alave is the number one guy and and, and some of the other guys that are are coming back to college football in uh, in 2021. Yeah, I mean, Chris Olave was a surprising one when he even came back because, I mean, I'm pretty sure he would have been a a surefire first-round pick. You know, granted, he would have been kind of in that the end of the first-round conversation. Um, but, you know, with his route running ability, you know, we thought he could be easily a first round guy and he decided to come back. And now I think he has, you know, looking at it, it is kind of a smart business decision by him because this is a very sad wide receiver class. I mean, the 2021 NFL wide receiver class might be better than the 2020. And, we, you know, we were all hyping that one up as the best we've seen in decades. I think this one might be better. Um, so now he has a chance to really kind of put himself in that wide receiver one category for the, the 2022 NFL draft. And like I said, He's as refined route runner as they come. And his teammate, too, Garrett Wilson, who's number two in that list um, of Ohio State, you know, he is, too, you know, another polished route runner. I mean, you look at what Brian Hartline is doing with these guys at Ohio State. You know, he did, he did it with uh, 
Terry McLaurin, KJ Hill. I mean, he is just breeding route runners up there. So, you know, that those are the top two wide receivers. Justin Ross is one we're keeping an eye on just because, you know, he didn't play this past year because he had to have a spinal fusion. Yeah. Um, you know, fortunately, he's looking like he is able to play football again. Hopefully that, you know, holds to be true. If that's the case, he is an easy top three consensus guy. You know, this is a going to be a very interesting wide receiver group specifically um, just because, you know, there, I think there's going to be a lot of shakeup with the top 10 I listed here just because we have so much talent departing. But, you know, I don't think there's going to be a shortage of talented guys. Um, you know, but that being said, I think Ohio State, it by far, you know, by a, a country mile, <laughs> has the best wide receiver duo we've seen, you know, over the last few years, taking Alabama out of the equation. Now, let's go over to the quarterbacks. And, and before I ask you about the top 10 that you've, you've ranked there, what is it going to look like for Ohio State in terms of a signal caller? Because obviously, Justin Fields is heading to the NFL draft. What do they have behind Justin Fields or in terms of a transfer coming in to uh, to kind of help stabilize that offense and help utilize some of the incredible talent that they have coming back at wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, they have a, a ton of talented quarterback recruits there to choose from. You know, you have C.J. Stroud there too. I mean, it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, kind of who ends up you know, the top guy in that quarterback room. But, you know, with the offense that in, I, I, just, I don't think it's going to matter who the quarterback is. I think they're going to have success because these guys get open at an extremely high rate. And the offense they're in also schemes up a lot of open throws. I mean, you look at Justin Fields and, you know, he had more open throws than any other quarterback in college football in 2020. That's not going to change any, any more than whoever's throwing the ball, you know, whether it's Stroud or someone else for Ohio State in 2021. I mean, they're going to have an extremely high rate of open throws. I think they're going to see a lot of success regardless of who's throwing the ball. All right, here's uh, the last one. Give me uh, your, your, some of your top 10 in terms of uh, co- returning college football quarterbacks. I see Spencer Rattler of Oklahoma right at the top of the list. Anybody uh, surprise you or stand out um, other than Spencer Rattler at number one? Why is he number one and some other guys maybe that would surprise some people that are in your top 10? Yeah, I mean, Spencer Rattler, I think he's comfortably that number one quarterback. I don't expect anyone touching him you know, you know, in that spot anytime soon. I think he has a chance to be a very special player. And he, he kind of reminds me a little bit. I, I don't want to compare him to this guy saying he's going to be him at the next level, but in terms of what he is in college, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Patrick Mahomes the way he was at Texas Tech. I mean, he's making a little bit of, you know, when he's inside the pocket, we've seen some bad reads from him. I mean, he had those two game-sealing interceptions against, I, I think it was Kansas State and Iowa State. And that's what people think of when they think Spencer Rattler, but you have to think of, you know, some of the stuff he does off structure is it's unlike anything I've ever seen. It's the only I've only seen it really with Mahomes when he was at Texas Tech. And, you know, the, the arm talent he has and the accuracy and the the release he has. I mean, it's just really what you want at the quarterback position. He also had, you know, didn't really get helped out a lot by his wide receivers. He actually had more big time throws dropped than any other quarterback in the PFF college era. So that's going back seven years. And those big time throws are you know, as you, you know, what they are, what they sound. They're just, you know, you look at a throw deep downfield that is a perfect throw, happens to be dropped. He had seven of those this past year. You know, we think he's in line for a very big year. I think he's going to be the first overall pick in 2022. Um, you know, Stan Howell, North Carolina, he's going to be kind of an interesting one to keep an eye on whether or not he continues to show growth in there. And some other guys to keep an eye on, too. We had Keaton Slovis at number 10. I think he's kind of, you know, he's, he's playing with fire there. He barely got in there in that top 10 just because. He has the traits to be an elite college quarterback. He definitely has the traits. We just have yet to see him do it. So he's kind of a very frustrating guy to watch because you see some deadly accurate balls consistently from him, but then you see a head-scratching forceful throw 
you know, he, he struggles to, you know, kind of hold on to the ball, has poor ball security and collapsing pockets. There's some stuff he wants to improve on there. Um, DJ Uwe Angale uh, from Clemson, he's at number eight there. I would expect him to rise up that list, you know, even further. I mean, the guy's got an absolute rocket for an arm. I mean, he's going to be another great Clemson quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be Trevor Lawrence. That's good. But I think he's going to, you know, continue to lead the Tigers to success. So those are kind of some of the more notable ones in there. Anthony Tresh has been our guest here on The Word with G making his debut here on The Zone, ESPN 105.1 in Chattanooga. He is the senior uh, college football analyst for Pro Football Focus. You can follow him up on Twitter at PFF underscore Anthony. And anything uh, you, uh, you're working on that you want to make people privy to? Yeah, over at PFF.com. Got a lot of great agency stuff and draft stuff dropping. And be sure to check out the 2021 NFL Draft Guide. Just added 50 more profiles. I think we have around 200 now Ooh. in there. Our guy, Mike Renner, has been working on that. It is absolutely sick. So be sure to check that out over at PFF.com. It's live, and you can subscribe to become a member of Pro Football Focus uh, as well. It's uh, it's very well worth it. Do it uh, do it now. Thank me later again, PFF.com and Anthony Tresh, man. Thanks so much for dropping the knowledge and uh, being a part of the program as always.